With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's going on? This is Ryan Antkoviak, host of the Full Count Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Do me a favor. Pull out your wallet or money clip or phone case. Give it a good inspection. If it's anything like mine, it's pretty meh. I mean, let's be honest, it's a wallet. Well, what if there was a product that blended something you love with something you need? Turns out there is. LineDriveOutfitters.com takes real baseball mitts and turns them into wallets, billfolds, money clips, clutches, and other accessories. And get this, you can get your favorite team's logo engraved or stitched right into the leather. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I grab my own mitt, I get this rush of nostalgia and it brings me right back to Little League. So let's face it, we all need to carry around our credit cards, cash, IDs, gift cards, whatever. So you might as well carry it around in something that makes you think about the thing we all love, baseball. These babies are hand-stitched, handmade, and made right here in America. Whether you're looking for a unique gift or a way to show off your love of the game, LineDriveOutfitters.com offers a wide variety of products for men and women. That's not all. They will literally make your wallet out of your own mitt. How cool is that? Do me a favor, check out LineDriveOutfitters.com or check them out on Instagram or Facebook at LineDriveOutfitters. They could be, they might be, they are a home run. Welcome to the Prospect Pod, powered by the Weekly Streamer. You can follow the Weekly Streamer on Instagram and Twitter at Weekly Streamer. And here's your host, Welcome to the Prospect Pod, powered by the Weekly Streamer. I'm Ryan Ankoviak, host of the Full Count Fantasy Baseball Pod, jumping in to host this week for Game 2 of our Subway Series doubleheader. If you missed Game 1 of our doubleheader, stop what you're doing and quick listen to the episode and then come right back to us. It was good, it was funny, it was insightful. In our first episode, we broke down one through five of both the Yankees and the Mets farm system, hence the Subway Series. But if you've already listened to that and you are back here with us, we thank you very, very much. So right now, we are going to dig into prospects number six through ten, again, in both the New York Yankees and the New York Mets system. I got my dudes, the Hawk, also known as Richard Hake, and the Country Biscuit, Mr. Hunter Rakes, back on the show to break it down. Gentlemen, any quick reactions to the first show in one through five of those two systems? Well, Hunter's you muted, should, so I was gonna say you should pop in some crickets. I'm gonna uh, go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and take lead on this one. It was awesome. We had lubrication <laughs> in terms of alcohol, drinking whiskey myself. Hunter's over here drinking bourbon, and Ryan is over here drinking a fantastic hazy IPA. In his true Ryan fashion, it was fantastic. And you know what's also fantastic? The fact that I'm wearing this awesome Emily's Fight t-shirt. You guys can find it on rotoware.com. All proceeds go towards Emily's Fight. She is a 
part of the industry here writing about the Detroit Tigers organization. And these shirts all 100% go towards her. So that is fantastic. Rotoware.com, Emily's Fight t-shirt. You guys are going to love it. We appreciate all of that you guys do towards that. Yeah. And our thoughts and our prayers, our thoughts and our prayers that the streamers are through Emily and her family. Um, you got this. That's right. Thanks for bringing that up. She does great work. I'm glad you did that. Okay, let's get some housekeeping out of the way, and then we're going to get in through 6 through 10 for the Yankees and the Mets. So some housekeeping real quick. First of all, if you are following the Weekly Streamer on Instagram and Twitter, do that. At the Weekly Streamer. We keep it simple. From there, I would all follow our awesome host, The Hawk, at MustBeTheHawk. Again, Instagram and Twitter. He's waving. You can also check us out on Facebook. We've got a great group page there where we're talking baseball all day long. All kinds of great articles and information being shared among our, what are we up to now, guys? 1,500 members, something like that. It's a great group. And last but not least, check us out on Patreon. You can follow, subscribe on the Weekly Streamer Podcast Network page. Five bucks a month gets you top 10 write-ups for every team that we've done so far. We're more than halfway through as far as I know. And not, not only do you have a write-up, but you've got 11 through 30 of each system. We have a 600 prospect ranking breakdown. This isn't a top 100, folks. We are talking 600 prospects to help you with your deep dynasty leagues, as well as a top 500 dynasty ranking. We help you with draft prep. And also you have access to all of our writers and all of our members in our private Discord channel. So if you need a sounding board when you're working out deals or just want to talk baseball, great place to do that. We've got your back. Gentlemen, game two of the Subway Series. Let's get back into it. Let's start with the number six prospect in the Yankees system. Ed Fingerhut, put on some earmuffs, my friend, because we got another catcher. Austin Wells, catcher, age 22, six foot two, 220 pounds, drafted in the first round in 2020 by your New York Yankees. Number 28 overall, Biscuit. Turn off mute and tell me what you think about Austin Wells. Thank you for reminding me because I was definitely on mute. Mm-hmm. I, I feel Saw you. that. So, uh, I love Austin Wells, honestly. Uh, because, you know, usually pissed on catchers, and I still will feel really passionately about that. But if you're looking at a catcher that doesn't quite have the helium, like I've never seen so many catchers ranked in the top 100 in my entire life. Between Gabe Marino... Francisco Alvarez, Dio Cartea, other guys that are in the top 100. The catcher position has never seen so many high-level guys. Austin Wells is not one of those, but he could be just as good. Uh, you're looking at a guy that has a pretty good hit tool. The power is there. He had 16 homers in total last year. He had a 274 average in high A. Um, the biggest concern is that the Ks really skyrocketed and the walks shut down in high A, but that's not – atypical of players, especially catchers, as they acclimate themselves to a more difficult league, especially when they're having to, when the defensive position is so strenuous, they're having to do both. I think the hit tool is fantastic. I think the power could be amazing. Uh, we all know that Gary Sanchez kind of sucks, so they don't have much there. Austin Wells has a home. He's not being challenged. There's not a ton there of uh, I don't think Gomez or Brio, one of the other guys, I think Brio, I can't say his last name, are being are competing against him. He's going to get a lot of a run in a very short order. I think if he can make it to double, maybe hint at triple A, you're looking at a 2023 ETA. And I love to me, he's like a he's like a Wilson Ramos, right? Like we talked about him with the Alvarez. I think he could be a guy that is your number 10 to 13 catcher. He doesn't go early. You kind of forget about him. You can get him later in drafts, and he's just solid, right? Like, you don't have to worry about the catcher position. You can get him wherever. I really, really like Austin Wells. And here's the thing. The power plays at Yankee Stadium. If he can just hit 260 and catch enough, even if he's got 20 homer power in the minors, at that stadium and that division, that's 40 homer power. Between all those amazing hitter parts, I I think Austin Wells is getting forgotten about as a really good catching prospect because of what's ahead of him. I think he's the perfect buy low as a secondary option if you can't get one of those top names to catcher. I love it. That's great perspective. 
I, you know, Austin Wells is not a guy that I know a lot about. I'm guessing a lot of our listeners don't know a lot about, and you, you really sold me on him, man. He's a catcher on all that. So Hawk, anything to add, or should we jump back to the Mets? Yeah. So I will add a little bit here. I do say bye for uh, Austin Wells. I did see him in Greensboro. Um, There has been, uh, and I saw one of the home runs too. I mean, great launch angle, great swing path through the zone. A lot of power. A lot of power. Um, he played DH in that game that I saw and then played catcher. He was a catcher in the uh, the second half, the doubleheader. There has been rumblings that he's going to move off a position, quote-unquote, throughout the industry. I've heard this. He's been interviewed multiple times, and he said in no way, shape, or form has the Yankees talked to him about moving off of catcher or have moved him to a different position. He either DHs or he's a catcher. So I think... You can draft him or trade for him knowing that he will more than likely be a catcher. The defensive skills are not far off from Gary Sanchez right now. This is a very similar Gary Sanchez type of mold in terms of, you know, the bat is really what it's going to be known for. But the but the hit tool is better than Sanchez. So wow. if you want to kind of look at it that way, the hit tool is better. The power is about the same, which is pretty big, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm all in. It, it's a good buy, and it's not a, a tremendous price to pay either. Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, when I – again, I don't know a lot about Wells, but I do know that when scouts and teams say that someone is going to get moved off the catcher position, that typically means because their bat is more advanced than their glove and they need that bat in the lineup. So you don't say that a lot about catchers, right? Like there's typically not a lot of catchers that bring a big bat to the to the position – so that's pretty encouraging. Um, so especially if he stays a catcher, that makes him that much more valuable. So Austin Wells, bye, bye, bye. Let's move back to the Mets. The number six prospect in the Mets farm system is JT Ginn. He's a right-handed pitcher, 22 years old, six foot two, 200 pounds, drafted in the second round in the 2020 draft, number 52 overall. Hawk, I know that you love JT Ginn. Tell me about him. I do. Um, Ed Fingerhut and myself, the Irish, uh, are very big fans of JT Ginn, not only because we're Mets fans, but uh, I think that we got a massive steal in this draft, um, being able to get him in the second round. Originally, JT Ginn was drafted by the Dodgers in 2018 in the first round with the 30th overall pick. He decided to go to school instead and turned down that first round pick money to go to school. Goes to school, ends up having uh, Tommy John surgery, you know, which really kind of hurt his draft stock. He ended up plummeting a little bit. The Mets still decided that, you know, we like what we're seeing here. You know, we're going to go ahead and we're going to make a make a play on him. He has an electric fastball, high RPMs on the slider, great movement, induces a good amount of swing and miss, and a changeup that just has really good fade and tumble late in the action now this is one thing that i saw this year obviously you worry about a pitcher having control issues coming off of tommy john surgery this is his first season back from tommy john and here is something that i really really liked although the strikeouts weren't like huge i think that he'll be able to grow a little bit more into it as he gets better control what i do like though is that jt ginn had a very high ground ball rate from low a to high a in low A, he had a 57.7% ground ball rate. And in high A, he had a 64.1. Okay, let's put that into perspective a little bit here. This past year, Marcus Stroman was with the Mets, and he is known for his ground ball rate, right? So, you know, obviously, he has a very high ground ball rate. His ground ball rate was 64. Point, or no, I'm sorry, was 50.8. That's Marcus Stroman, 50%. Yeah, that's great. So already in low A and double, and, and high A, JT Ginn's already surpassed that right now, okay? He is a little bit older for the level, so you do want to see him try to beat up a little bit on the competition that's there. But this is very encouraging. This is a guy that can get you out with strikeouts, but he can also work on the ground. So as long as that defense for the Mets will be able to pick him up, you know, this will be a very good addition to the rotation. This to me looks like he can have, you know, a low end, a mid to low end SP2 type of upside. Realistically speaking, he's probably going to be in that SP3 range 
SP3, SP4 range, um, which is, you know, more than serviceable in some of these deeper dynasty leagues. I still think that he should be owned in 10 team leagues and up. And I love some JT again. Well, you know what? You sold me in the Dodgers were buying. So if the Dodgers are buying, I'm buying. I mean, what they are, they do it all right. It drives me nuts. I hate it. But man, they get it right. Biscuit, anything to add on JT Ginn, or do you want to bounce back to the Yankees? So I will say this uh, about JT Ginn. It's, it's something that I look for. So JT Ginn in A had 10 starts, right? He had 53 innings. So that means he had five innings per start. That is really telling for a lot of pitching prospects. As Hawk will tell you, a lot of times pitching prospects don't go more than four. So the fact that he went five and it's sometimes six innings per start, after having the TJ means that they trust him to pitch. The elbow is fine. You want to see the K's come back. If his K rate right now, if everything else was the same, but his K rate was 11 per nine, he's unbi- he's unbiable. He's a top 40 prospect. He's Blake Walston plus. He's everything and then some, right? The potential is there to be in that 50 to 75 range this time next year. I like JT Ginn because I think the value is right. Because I told you this before, I buy prospects like Bitcoin. Like to me, they are always currency. I don't worry about what they become. That's fine and dandy. We hope they do that. It is what it is. But JT Ginn has a chance that you could buy him at, at, at a quarter and sell him at a dollar. Now's the time to buy because I really think this time next year, he's a top 50 prospect everywhere and everybody talks about how they missed out. So, Rick is right on it. I honestly, I probably would have had JT Ginn above Roddy Mauricio and pissed every Mets fan off because I love JT Ginn and the potential that he brings. You also like pissing people off. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I I love I love what you said there about his innings pitch per start, though, because I've done some research on a handful of these these systems and I was scratching my head by all these great pitching prospects that consistently throw three innings, four innings per start. And I'm just like, I just don't know what to make of that. So the fact that he is, you know, consistently throwing five, that is much better than three or four. Obviously it's more numbers, but that shows me that they believe that he can take the next step and be a starter. So I, I didn't think about it from that lens, but that's good perspective. I appreciate that. So Good call on JT Ginn. Go buy him, guys. That's the message. All right, let's bounce back to Hunter here. Number seven in the Yankee system, Mr. Trey Sweeney. Another shortstop, third shortstop, I think, here in the Yankee system. 21 years old, six foot four, 200 pounds, drafted in the first round of this year's 2021 draft. Number 20 overall, Trey Sweeney. Hunter, what do you know and like about Trey Sweeney? So Trey Sweeney, and we talked about Eric Cross and how much, you know, he's a, he's a friend of ours. He's a guy that he's got a lot of helium. That he's he's really helium Trey Sweeney to where I've not bought a whole lot on Trey Sweeney. Trey Sweeney was a first-round draft pick. He has a really good hit tool. Um, the power is there. People really like him. He was amazing in college. I, he's a guy that I can't quite get on. Um, I see the potential, right? I see the fact that he doesn't K a ton. The walk rate's fairly high. He had a 245 average at low way with a 357 OVP. He screams at Biscuit by. Here's the problem that I have with Trey Sweeney from a fantasy perspective. Trey Sweeney's helium is getting way too high. I can't buy him at the trajectory projection. You know, same word. Uh, I was thinking either one. Uh, a key period me and Rick talked before is that he's kind of DJ LeMayhew-esque, but yet he forgot that he was DJ LeMayhew in the minors when he came up. Um, if he can get... If he can work out the average, I get the appeal on Trey Sweeney. I'd have to see a little more. When you see a guy who has lackluster numbers in the minors after coming out of college, there's two, one of two things could have happened. One, he's not quite as good as you thought he was. Or two, it's a little bit of a hangover after having a long college season. Because they literally go into the minors directly after playing college baseball. And that can sometimes happen. I think he's okay to buy. I think he's solid. If the value in your leagues has gotten unrealistic, like if he's being sold, if he's being sold at the same value as like an Austin Wells, then I would not buy. 
I would wait. But if it's cheap enough to where people in your league have never heard of him, I think the potential to realize that DJ LeMayhew value is there, I just don't think he's quite there yet. I personally prefer the number prospect behind him over him. Uh, but Sweeney has a lot of DJ LeMayhew characteristics. And if the value is right, I would buy. But I think giving him too much healing him is a little foolhardy at this point. Okay, okay. You know, one of the things that you and I, Hunter, have argued about a couple of times, and you're a pretty easy guy to argue with. But awesome. I've ar- no, no, <laughs> never. <laughs> I think, and this is maybe where you'd see this more in this show than on the last episode when we were talking one through five. Sometimes I feel like Yankees prospects get overinflated simply because they're New York Yankees. And I feel a little bit that way about Trey Sweeney only because I, I the sample size has been sm- so small. I, I just feel like the helium, that's the word you used, it, it feels a little premature. I'm not saying he's a bust or anything like that, but he hasn't shown us much yet. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm buying it. But anyway. I, I think the, the, the yeast on him is getting, you know, it's, it's rising a little too tall. Like I said, I, I agree with you. I don't know if it's much the fact that he's a Yankee and the fact that he's going to play at Yankee Stadium. And we see what that has done to other players in the MLB that we just assume that's going to happen to everybody. And that's just not how it works. So while I like Trey Sweeney, he doesn't sniff my top 100. He doesn't sniff my top 125. Could he in a year? Yes, 100%. But I think buying him at a higher level than he is is, is foolish. So, Rick, you've done more research than I have. I'm just the the fat guy with a bourbon. So, take it away. <laughs> oh, have the turntables. Um, ta- ta- so, tables have turned. Oh no, it's an office quote. Ryan gets it. Never, I got um, it. never watch the office. You're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so Trey Sweeney. Uh, absolutely. We were talking about this prior to, I mean, definitely DJ LeMahieu types. Um, I'm calling this right now. He's going to be the third baseman of the future for the New York Yankees. I'm just calling okay. it right now. Six foot four. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's big he's, boy. Yeah. He's big boy. He's big boy. Yeah. He big boy. The, the, the hit tool is really, really good. And to Hunter's point, you know, he played the full year in college and then, you know, going into the pro ball, uh, what, what Hunter, didn't say there is he also played in the Cape Cod League over the summer. So he played a whole league, you know, prior to and actually did very, very well in the Cape Cod League before starting his year and then being drafted by the Yankees. So he had a complete year in in a lot of different ways. So you're right. I think fatigue just at the end of the year kind of wore on him at that point. The the hit tool is very good, and it wouldn't surprise me if he does get to a, a 270, 280 batting average, you know, next year. And if that's the case, you know, obviously the price is going to continue to go up. Doesn't help Hunter's case on here because I agree with you, Hunter. I think that it's really, really high right now. Unfortunately, you're getting that Yankee premium, and because of what they did with Volpe, who also was a very cheap buy back in 2019 and 2020, now you can't buy any of these Yankees for cheap. It's just one of those deals unfortunately yeah yeah well that and that's that's what i'm always a little worried about but let's skip back to the mets the number seven prospect in the mets system compliments of the hawks right up here it's mr alex ramirez he's an outfielder 18 years old six foot 370 pounds j2 signing in 2019 by the by the mets tell me a little bit about alex ramirez Hunter and I, I think, might be able to agree on this. This actually might be one of my favorite, you know, buying opportunities with the New York Mets. And I, I agree with what Hunter was saying with, you know, Vientos. Great, a great buy to be able to have as well. I really like Alex Ramirez. I really, really do. I think he has, you know, good upside at six foot three. You know, he, he got his first taste of pro ball this year. And the Mets didn't even send him to the DSL, which is what I would have thought that they would have done. They brought him straight to low A, Port St. Lucie. You know, a 258 average, 326 OBP, 384 slug. It's okay, but you do like the fact that the OBP is still a respectable amount right there as a young player. I love the fact that he, in 76 games here, had 15 doubles, four triples, five home runs. 
That's showing me that he does have the power that he's building into, uh, continuing to build, you know, muscle. He actually came in a lot heavier than what he originally did whenever he was signed, obviously. So the weight training is coming into fruition. He also stole 16 bags too, which tells me that there's a little bit of stolen base opportunities here. This is definitely going to be a good outfield option. Uh, the Mets see him as a center fielder of the future. I could see this as a scenario whenever Marte does leave. And if that's the case, you know, Ramirez is a pretty good way to be able to back that up. I think in yeah. a lot of these deeper dynasty leagues, Alex Ramirez is a guy that you ta- you target now before the price continues to skyrocket as he goes probably back to low A and start and finishes the year in high A next year. Yeah, it's a good call. Ramirez is not a guy that I know much about. Um, and my guess is that a lot of other people don't either. So that's a really good perspective. Biscuits, are you on uh, Alex Ramirez as well? Sounds like you are. Yeah. So here's – and this is this may sound extremely silly. So a lot of people really do Fantrax leagues. And the way Fantrax does prospects, especially on the app, is it just does the first letter and the last name. And it just says A. Ramirez. And there are so many A. Ramirez's that sometimes you forget. And I'm just looking psychologically when you see that, you forget that he's good. You see A. Ramirez and you're just like, eh, okay. And I really think that has driven his value down. I know that sounds silly, but I think when people see him, they forget that he's good. He's 6'3", 170, has speed, has power. He was a top 20 international guy. I know this sounds extremely silly. I know it does. But when you don't have a name that's recognizable and you have a very common last name and first name, sometimes we don't get on you when we should. It's very easy to get on a guy that's like, oh, this crazy name that I've never – like, Divison De La Santos is a cool name to say. And he's got a lot of hype because it's fun to say on top of the talent. But Alex Ramirez, not as fun. Not as easy to remember. It's very common. But the talent is there. I buy him everywhere. It would not shock me if he's a top 50 prospect in two years. It would not shock me if he's a top 100 next year. He's got all the potential in the world. The value is not crazy high. If he's unavailable, he's easy to buy. If someone has him right now, maybe it's harder because people actually know about him and you've got a Mets fan in your league. But I like Alex Maris. <laughs> I'd buy. I'd buy right now. That's a silly reason, but I really think there's some psychological thought to it is that sometimes when the name is common, we don't think about it. So he changed well, so his name to Alex this past year. It was Alexander Ramirez. And if you guys recalled from the Angels pod that we just recently did, yeah. there's an Alexander Ramirez in that system as well. He's also a good prospect, for, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, It's easy to forget when you've got a name that's just easy to remember. Fun fact, my grandfather's name was Robert Smith. Robert Smith, think about wow. that. Wow. Chicago alone, where he was, where he lived, there was over 200 Robert Smiths. Is that the guy from Pocahontas? Chicago, so. Is that Smith? Is that John Smith? Is that John Pocahontas? Smith? I think that John Smith probably would be more popular than Robert Smith. But it's right either there. way. It's right there. There you go. Common name, hard to remember or easy to overlook. So, Okay, let's keep moving. Number eight, back right. to the old Yankees. We have Everson Pereira, who the biscuit already said he happened to like a little more than number seven. But Everson Pereira, outfielder, 20 years old, six feet, 191 pounds, J2 guy, 2017, drafted by the Yankees. Tell me a bit about Everson Pereira. I hate to say this. So after I've kind of given him a little flack, I have to tell him when he does well. Mr. Cross, Eric, if I may, I, I agree with you. I think Everson Pereira is going to be a stud. Uh, I, I love Everson Pereira. After I've done more research into him, I think he's going to be fantastic. I think having him in the top 100 right now may be a little foolish, but you're looking at a guy who an A-ball as a teenager had a 361 average with a th- with a 446 OBP. The carrot was a little high, but the walks were there to counterbalance. The homers were coming around. The stolen bases were there. You're looking at a six-foot stub with 190 pounds. Just had all the physical traits that you needed. And when he got to high A, this is where I really like him. This is where I think that my way, way my thought process works. Is the case ticked up, 
The walk stayed the same. That's what I do like is that he stayed patient. He took good pitches. The case, he got a little more aggressive as he saw advanced pitching in high A, but he kept the same composure. But what also happened is the homers just skyrocketed. In only eight more games, he had nine more homers. That is insane. You know, he saw 19 homers total. You're going to, yeah, exactly. To me, that shows a guy that is growing in his body as he matures in, in baseball. I really think Everson Pereira is going to, I don't know. And I get, I've said a lot of this, and I think I, we're getting to a point where I, I'm almost about to fall off. But the Yankees system is so daggone good. It is fantastic. And Everson Pereira has a little Hedbert Perez to him. As, you know, some rankings have really ranked up higher. They probably should be right now. But I think Everson Pereira is going to be – he is 19, 20 years old in high A. He will be 21 in double and has a chance to really skyrocket in rankings. Now is the time to buy. It is your last time to buy. If he keeps this up, you will not be able to buy anytime soon because he will get way too expensive and you won't feel comfortable. By now, while it's like low top 100 and people really haven't dug into their rankings for the year because they're going to go off last year. Buy now, buy now, buy now. I really think Everson Prayer, as of this moment, is a really good ROI as in return on investment. I think it even gets better from here. Yeah, that's a good call. You know who else is a buy now is Eric Cross. He's been on our show before. We love Eric Cross. We love Eric. And we love Eric. We love Eric. We do. You, you're talking about him. But well, well, no, it's it's so, so, bring- so I love Eric, but he, he's very aggressive on young prospects. He's got Everson Sabrera in his top 100, and I, I think a lot of people listen to him, and sometimes I think he goes a little too crazy, but sometimes I think he's right, and I really like Everson Sabrera, so – well, my point is you buy him because he's a voice that matters in this industry, and he's really carved out a great path, and he's been right more often than he's not been. So, But Everson Pereira, good call. Uh, I'm excited to see what, what uh, the Yankees do with him, and he's he's done great up until this point. Hawk, anything to add, or you want to move on back to the Mets? All right. So I'm so glad that you guys are very happy, and you're bringing up all these great things. Let me bring up something that's probably not as much. So... Yep. So if you look here, he played 49 games total this year. The only other time that he ended up playing anywhere close to 40 games was back in 2018 in which he played 41. Ryan, since you were a great guest last time, do you know what his career high in home runs was prior to this season in which that he hit 20? I do. It was eight. Nope. It was less. Damn it. it was three. 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 He's hit four total home runs in his two years prior to this, and he hit 20 this year. Now, I will say that there are, there are some good signs here. He literally played eight games more this year than what he did in 2018. He only struck out one extra time. Strikeouts are about the same. OBP-wise, he's about 70 points higher in OBP. This was something that surprised me. Um, tremendously was the fact that his slugging went from a 389 OBP in 2018 to a 686 this year. 300 points his slugging went up. And I was like, okay, well, maybe he got more doubles, right? Maybe more doubles. He got eight doubles in 41 games in 2018, 10 in 49 games this year. Dang. It's just home runs, and that's wow. major, major difference. Just saying. Yeah, well, it, you don't know what to make of that. I mean, <laughs> well, Rick, I'm going to give you a chance to walk that back because we don't disagree with the biscuit on this show. Uh, <laughs> that's because we only on? disagree. No. With, we only You're right. Oh, oh hold on. I, for- <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I forgot. All right. Never mind. I apologize. I apologize. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Note to self, don't go on the full count. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's move along. So we're a little divided on Pereira. Biscuit loves him. Hawk's a little more muted, but still has him in his top 10, so he doesn't hate him. Anyway, let's move right along. We're going to move on to number eight in the Mets system, Mr. Dominic Hamill. He's a right-handed pitcher, 22 years old, 6'2", 206 pounds. Drafted this year, 2021, or last year, I guess, 2021 draft. 
In the third round, number 81 overall, tell me a little bit about Dominic Hamill. Yeah, so Dominic Hamill is kind of overshadowed by the whole Kumar Rocker thing. And the uh, next prospect for the Mets that we'll talk about, both of them are really kind of overshadowed by that. Um, he is a college arm at 22 years old. He's six foot two, 206 pounds. This is a guy that has extreme RPMs um, on his slider. So it is a, a pitch that is very reminiscent to like the RPMs that Lugo gets on his curveball. So Lugo's known for his high RPMs that he's able to get. And that's one of the main reasons that make him effective. Dominic Hamill is a guy that can end up being very Lugo-esque. Now, does that mean that he's going to be a relief pitcher? Not necessarily. He could still be a starter. I do see him probably more so as a mid to back end rotation piece. Uh, worst case scenario, obviously a Lugo setup. Um, valuable in some of the deeper dynasty leagues, probably not in terms of like a 10 team or so. Um, but this is a guy that is an analytics guy's dream, really, in terms of his RPMs. So this is a guy that I think you guys should at least target if you're in 20 teams and above. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and guess that the biscuit knows nothing about Dominic Hamill. So we're going to go right to the Yankees. Back to a name that we've already referenced, the number nine overall. You know I'm right. The number <laughs> nine overall. Pro- <laughs> you are. You're right. <laughs> the, the number nine prospect in the Yankee system who you've actually already alluded to, and I know you're excited about, Mr. Oswaldo, Oswaldo Cabrera. He's an infielder. 22 years old, 5'10", 145 pounds. That's right, 145 pounds. J2 guy, 2015 for the Yankees. Tell me more about Oswaldo Cabrera. So, Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, he's kind of a forgotten man, right? Like, if I told you he was had already been at AAA, would you almost laugh a little bit? Like, it doesn't feel like a guy like Oswaldo Cabrera. Like, we're in a lot of deeper leagues. When a guy makes the AAA, we know about it, right? Would if would I would not have realized until I did a little bit of research before preparing for this pod that he had been in AAA. I had no idea, um, which leads me to believe that he has immense, immense utility capabilities and being a util move around the diamond type guy. Which in deep leagues that we have gets me super excited, right? I love a guy so valuable, yeah, so valuable. They can be like a Ramon Urias. Right, they can be like you know we talked before. Tori Mateo, guys, they have positional flexibility. David Fletcher, that me and Rick have loved for years when he was playing all the positions. Guys like that have so much value. The average is hitting great, and Double A hit two fifty six with a three eleven OBP. The power was immense at Double A. He had twenty four homers. Uh, you know, total last year he had twenty nine homers. He hit 21 stolen bases. He had a 2020 season at, you know, in the minors last year between double and triple A. I don't quite think he has a starter's profile. The average is not quite there. The OBP isn't, you know, doesn't get you excited. He really lit triple A on fire, but that's hard to believe in when he only played nine games. I really think Oswaldo Cabrera gets, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, the first guy, the other Oswald getting overshadowed by Volpe. We almost forget Cabrera as a person because he shares a similar name with the guy in front of him, right? Peraza. I think, and I, and I may be really crazy and say this, I think he could honestly have his more potential to contribute next year than the other two because I, I could see him contributing right away as a utility fit. He really can play a lot of positions. I think He's got a bat that plays. While I don't think he's a starter, and I don't think he's relevant in anything under 16 teams, the 2020 profile, the speed combo, really gets you salivating if, if he was giving a a role and giving a shot to contribute, what he could do with it. So I don't think nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, I don't think he does anything. But that temp time, he's a stud. So definitely worth buying because the value is there and the price is cheap, I think. And I think that's the key, right? The cost is not much. 
So it, if if he hits, that's great because it didn't cost you much. I will say this: you, I was really surprised and caught off guard when you said he had a twenty twenty season because I was like, wait, well, everybody else was at the alt site, so how did he have? I just I was like oh. so confused, and then I realized I've, that's not what you meant. I've had too many bourbons. Greg. Greg. No, but it made sense. It's just like that was just a weird. Weird, weird, uh, weird thought. And I try to act like whatever, it didn't happen. I try to just like, no, but like you didn't say anything wrong. It just, I was yeah. just like, well, th- there was the alt site. Like, I overthought the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, no, no, anyway. you're right. 2021. I apologize. I work in retail well, no, and that whole COVID year really sucked. So I try to just act like it never happened. Two, two years became one, man. Right. Hawk, anything on Cabrera? Yeah. So I'm sorry. Hunter, I do agree with you. This is a good buy opportunity unless the owner absolutely looks at his numbers. Prior to this year, Ryan, going to bring you back, bud. Going to bring you back. I got it. All right. got it, man. He hit 29 home runs in 2021. What was his second highest home run season? What is 14? Uh, You are wrong. Eight. What is eight? Yes. Yep. You're right. 2019, he hit eight. 2018, he hit six. And 2017, he hit four. How did he do in 2020? He didn't do good. Didn't do good in 2020. But in 2021, (laughs) he hit 29. So there's that. The doubles, they're there. They did show up a little bit here um, prior seasons. Um, So he can hit doubles. And all of a sudden, he hits almost 30 bombs. You know, he hits 20, he hits 21 more home runs than what he did year previously. Um, and he played two more games in 2019 as well. So I don't know. This is the whole system, right? I think this is a great buy, but yeah, I hear you, man. And, and, you know, I, it kind of plays into the narrative, right? Like he took a massive jump from 19 to 21 with that 20 year, 20, 2020 alt site. So He's just one of many that took a big step from 2019 to 2020. And I don't want to sound like I'm a downer of this. I just think it's very strange. So that's why I just want to make sure that I continue to bring that up is there's some major, major gains. For sure. Yeah, no, I think that's a good call. And and I like what Hunter said, too, about just the utility piece. Like, again, if you're in deeper leagues, which, by the way, PSA, if you're not in a deep league, like a 20-team, 30-team, they are so fun. I mean, if you want to ramp up how much more you need to know versus a 10 or a 12 team, they're crazy fun. So I would definitely recommend them. But anyway, yeah. let's move right along. Hawk agrees. Let's get back to the Mets. This is a prospect you seemed excited to talk about. You kind of alluded to him previously. But the number nine prospect in the Mets system is Mr. Calvin Ziegler. He's a right-handed pitcher, 19, young guy. Six feet, 205 pounds, drafted in the second round this year. Or I keep saying this year. The 2021 draft, so not quite a year ago. The 46 pick overall. Tell me a little bit about Calvin Ziegler. You know, you're not necessarily wrong. It is still considered this year's draft class pass. So um, so that works. Yeah, this past seasons, but we've, we've crossed into 2022. I'm confusing myself at this point. Go on. Yeah. So, you know... Calvin Ziegler is the this really I guess your first round draft pick because he was drafted in the second round. Obviously, once again, Kumar Rocker really just kind of overshadows this draft. This is a high school arm from Canada that has electric stuff. A ninety-seven mile an hour fastball as a high schooler is pretty darn impressive. Um, you know, the secondary pitches they're going to need some work. Obviously, with high school arms, you do expect the changeup to take a little bit of time to develop. The slider is okay; it's still a work in progress. I'm really worried that there is some reliever risk here with um, Ziegler. Uh, if he does get those other two pitches, you know, a little bit more up to snuff, he could be a starter. Um, but at six foot two hundred five. It kind of worries me. You know, we've seen some of the shorter pitchers be able to make do, but it's hard to be able to predict that right from a fantasy standpoint. If I'm getting Ziegler, I'm kind of expecting that he's going to be kind of groomed towards going towards a relief role. Um, That's just me personally. I'll be watching him pretty darn closely here in 2022. 
Well, but will he be electric, right? Because there's still value there per the biscuit. So th- any thoughts on Ziegler there, Hunter? Uh, not a ton. I kind of agree with him. Anytime I see somebody have a fastball, um, you know, a slider, not much else there in terms of above average pitches, it, it definitely leans to reliever risk. But he's young. You know, if you're in a deeper league and it's your last round of the draft, it's someone I take a chance on because uh, there's potential there in a high school arm. But you never know how those pan out. It, it's definitely more tells you how rough the Met system is after about six of than it does say anything else. So, well, you were pretty excited about Ramirez, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. They're they're fairly top heavy. All right, so let's move on. Then we have made it all the way to number ten in this double header. Number ten for the New York Yankees is Mr. Roderick Arias. He's a shortstop. He's seventeen. Six foot, two hundred and seventy-eight pounds. Signed January nineteenth in the twenty twenty-one draft. Tell me a little bit about Rodrik Arias. Man, if if there was more of a biscuit prospect, I've not seen him. Rodrik Arias, which I can't, roll, I can't roll my arms. Why do I try? It almost sounds offensive when I try. So, depending on where you look. He's the number one or number two international prospect coming off the board behind Christian Vaquero. Uh, I'm not saying that correct either. Uh, Arias is so just solid. Uh, and that's so crazy to say as somebody who, who is 17 years old. But he's 6'2", and he is above average across the board. He is above average hit tool, above average power, above average speed. He is right there. He's not 70 grade at anything. He's not 65 anything. He is 160 tool, and that's the hit. And, Rick, you will, we will agree that what do I say if I want one tool to be slightly better than the others? What is that? The hit That'd tool. That would be the hit tool. Yes, sir. I really like him a lot, and I know that sounds crazy, but if there was a prospect that I think could take a Wander Franco level progression – his name would be Roderick Arias. I, I, I'm not faltering from this projection. I truly think he will take a Wander Franco level jump up the rankings in a year's time. Now, I have also hated on Wander Franco's hype. I think it's overzealous. I think he's Brian Reynolds and then some. But that is to say, from an international guy, I really think that Roderick Arias has the profile of having everything, some of all parts profile. I really like him a lot. Can't really go off his stats because he's only, you know, 17 years old, but there's a lot to like about that profile. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, he's he's young, but he's got plus tools across the board. I want to correct myself here. I did say the 2021 draft. It was 2022, just a month or so ago. So Arias here is... You're right, top of the charts, top of the board, if you will, from an international perspective. Hawk, you wrote the list. What do you think about Arias? I think everything that Hunter just said. I mean, there's really nothing to more to add to it. I mean, until he ends up getting in-game you know, setups, this is really what we have to go off of scouting grades, right? Um, I remember whenever I did write um, Alex Ramirez last year, it was the same thing. I had to go off of the scouting grades, what I could find in terms of some video. There's not a lot out there on a rise, so um, I agree 100% with Hunter. And, you know, uh, shout out to the Biscuit on this. You know, we try to give you guys the best content that we possibly can. We do find different things that kind of stand out to us. Um, And back in October, I think it was October or so, Hunter ended up putting out a, uh, a questionnaire on the Weekly Streamer Facebook group. And if you're not on there, please join us it's a fantastic group to be on hunter put a group a group post on there where he put up a player a and a player b and he ended up putting it on there and it ended up being extremely close together ended up being brian reynolds and uh wander franco which i thought was absolutely unheard of you know and this is the kind of stuff that we try to give you guys as soon as possible and hunter hunter i my my cap's off to you, Bam, because you did a great job on that one. Um, you know, I, I believe you. I think that this could be something very similar. I don't want to try to put high tags on him, 
because obviously we're seeing that with Jason Dominguez right now where he's just not being able to live up to it. Fortunately, I'm not seeing that right now, you know, with a lot of these guys. Um, a lot of folks will notice in my rankings that I do, the 600-plus rankings, that I don't typically put international guys too high anymore because Dominguez burnt me pretty good. So I'm a little shy now on these international guys as I was before. So I believe I'm, I'm with Hunter on that. Yeah, and I, and, and I agree with Rick is, you know, it's not that I'm necessarily, because I'm the same way as Ricky is with international guys. But if you liked Wander Franco's some of the all parts type profile, Roger Garayas carries that. And I, re- I mean, I really do. And you know what? There's, you know, nine times out of 10, he doesn't get close. But I really do, man. I, he's just, he's one of those prospects that just makes you go, huh, what is he bad at? He ain't great at nothing, but he's pretty solid at everything. And that's how I felt about Wander Franco. And, you know, like I have literally, and if you're in a league with me, I own him in every single league I think that I had a draft picks, and I draft him in every single freaking one almost, just so I can sell him in six months' time at way more than I bought him for. And that's why I call the biscuit special, and you get the gravy. So you're welcome. Ryan, you look far too serious. Please laugh. Hey, there it is. All right. I'm good. Uh, well, so he, I got real um... – I got a little jealous when you guys were talking about well when the hawk was talking about the biscuit cuz two things happened two things that occurred to me number 1 I felt like you're trying hawk I feel like you're trying to steal my co-host man if you're going to just like snatch wow. the biscuit out of the full count pod like I I play a role but that is his show man he is the he is the gravy he brings the juice whatever you want to say he you don't if you take him I mean, you're uh, six hundred. What? No, you're uh, four hundred pounds. You're six foot eight. I'm five <laughs> six and too heavy. But I'm still coming for your ass, man. Don't take the biscuit from my show. I'm haggling for. I'm haggling for a better listen. contract. I need. I need an extension, Ryan. I'm trying to a better contract. <laughs> I'll show you a better contract. Number two, never, ever agree with the biscuit on a hundred percent of what he said. That is a mistake. <laughs> That is a mistake every single time. Don't do it. Emotional (laughs) damage. All right. So it turns out we like Roderick Arias. Let's move on to the very last prospect in our system breakdown. The Subway Series, if you will. Number 10 for the New York Mets is Mr. Carlos Rincon. He's an outfielder, 24 years old, 6'3". 190 pounds, J2 guy, 2015, drafted by the Dodgers, actually. Hawk, tell me a little bit about Carlos Rincon. Yeah, so he actually ended up coming over for pieces parts um, from this past year. Really not not much in that regard. Um, in 2021, Rincon slashed 265, 334, 496 with 22 home runs, 43 extra base hits, and five stolen bases in 101 games. All of them played in double A, and that was with the Dodgers organization as well as the Mets organization. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm going to kind of break the rules a little bit here because it's your show. Yeah, I guess so. I make the rules, I suppose. Um, I have Rincon here. I had a really difficult time with the number 10 spot, right? Because there was three guys that I really wanted to try to put here. And I settled on Rincon because I think that this is a bat that could be able to come to the major leagues and make a difference this upcoming year, whether it's a bench bat or whatever the case might be. But I do have to make mention of another bat and an arm that I think that will actually be able to help the Mets this year and could easily have been in this number 10 spot. And that's Nick Plummer, who just came over from the um, Cardinals. He was actually just signed a minor league contract. This is a guy that absolutely tore apart that system and had nowhere to go, nowhere to play. This is an easy ad for a lot of these deeper dynasty leagues that could be able to help you this year. Um, and all he needs is an opportunity or a bench bat to be able to be in there. We see Luis Guillorme be able to play all over the infield and get pretty decent stats. I mean, the OBP has been massive. Second or the third one I want to bring up here. Jose Buto, a right-handed pitcher. The Mets are very, very high on him. Josh Wolf earlier this season was talking about him and his 
you know, change up that he's working with. I think this is a guy that could be, you know, catapulted away that um, Tyler McGill was last year. Um, all three of these guys were really vying for this number 10 spot. And Carlos Rincon, um, you know, is very impressive with what he was able to do in the Dodgers organization and carrying it over to the New York Mets. So that is what we call the riser section of our pod. Can you rattle those three names off again? I'll get Carlos Rincon, but who are the other two guys that you almost liked at number 10? Yeah, Nick Plummer, outfielder, and Jose Buto at a right-handed pitcher um, there at the number 10 spot. It's kind of a 1A, B, and C. That is awesome. Okay, awesome. Good stuff, guys. Biscuit, anything to add on any of those guys? Or do you need a break? No. First of all, Bissy never takes a break unless you're watching on video. <laughs> then I took a break about 30 minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I really Jose Buto. I, I really have been trying to buy him low-key, but every league I'm in has a guy named Jeffrey Schimberg who keeps buying Jose Buto, and I can't get him back. Three for one. Three for one. That's, that needs to be his nickname. Well, three for one. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and by the way, we, when we talked to Jeffrey, we're like, "Hey, I mentioned you in a pod," um, but it's been hard to get him because of him. But I, I really like Jose Buto. I probably would have him at ten above who you had. Um, and just to go through risers on guys that I like, um, I really like a guy named Fidel Montero, um, outfielder for the Yankees. Uh, K rate was almost makes me want to puke, but the walk rate was almost as high. Seems like a guy who is still figuring it out, but has the patience to get there. So he's real young too, right? I I feel like I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Like he's Harold. a he's a he's a. The, I hate this word because I get called this a lot. Being thirty one in retail, but he's a baby, and he'll get there, <laughs> right? Uh, the another guy would be Randy Vasquez. Um, mm. Yep. I don't know what Randy Vasquez is. Some people are. I have seen Randy Vasquez in some obscure top 100s. I think that is just planting a flag because me and Rick have talked about it before. Is sometimes you use your 95 to 100 to plant a flag of this is your guy. That's where I've seen him at. I personally don't think he's a top 100 prospect, but I see the potential. If you've got a league that only pays attention to certain top 100 lists, I think Randy Vasquez is a great buy. Uh, he's got potential to do more than that in other lists. I don't think he's quite there yet, but a very good buy high. So I, I, I like Randy Vasquez. Love it. Love it. Thank you guys for throwing a couple risers in there as well. A double header. That is 18 innings of fun. Or that's 14, long, 14 in the day's minor league, 14 innings, seven and six. This is true. This is true. And, you know, you guys can both DH while we're at it because we know you can't play the field. Well, hold on. Hold on. I had 5-7-2-15 of just solid muscle. Man, they're going to fix that peak. <laughs> All right, so let me rattle off. Number six through ten for both the Yankees and the Mets. I'm going to start with the Yankees. Number one, the Biscuits fa- – or excuse me, number six. We're doing six through ten. Number six is Austin Wells, catcher, 22 years old, 6'2", 220, drafted in the first round, 2020. I'm not going to rattle through all that. I'm not sure why I did that. But Austin Wells, number six. Number seven, we got Trey Sweeney. Number eight, Everson Pereira. Number nine, Oswaldo Cabrera. Number ten, Roderick Arias. That is for the Yankees. Mets, we got JT Ginn, Alex Ramirez, Dominic Hamill, Calvin Ziegler, and Carlos Rincon. So that is it. This is the second game of our doubleheader in the Subway Series. We've got the Yankees. We've got the Mets. We've got the Hawk. We've got the Biscuit. That is it, my friends. Thank you guys so much for being here. Super fun to do back-to-back pods like this. Any final thoughts? Any final words? Any wisdom, any gravy, any... The full cow is coming soon. We're getting ready. The rankings are coming. First base is done. Second, third to follow. This is just the the takeover. I'm like NXT to WWE. I am coming. MJF, we are coming for the title, Rick. Full cow is coming. 
Uh, Hawk, you could have him. <laughs> and there's that. I just no, got some. No, you can- I I I, I appreciate peanuts. <laughs> I appreciate you guys being on here, you know, with this uh with this experiment, which I think actually went very well. This was a lot of fun. Uh for those of you who are listening and don't know, it is now one AM. We started this at like ten PM. <laughs> so I, I laugh and I said a two hour pod. I said, Hey, no way. We're hour three. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on, guys. I got one more thing to say. It could be, it might be, it is a home.